Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good afternoon. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years as a banker to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. We have three great guests on the show today. I want to welcome them first. Uh, Nerman Jasani, uh, welcome. So glad to have you. David Thanks, Peterson Bill. with PNC. David, welcome to Profit Sense. Thank you, Bill. And Mike Holden uh, is a business owner, owns a company by the name of NextGen. Uh, Mike, welcome to welcome to Profit Sense. Thanks, Bill. Glad to be here. So, Nerman, I want to start with you. I love the name of your company. We are wildly successful LLC, <laughs> not just successful, but wildly successful. I love that. Thank you. You know, sometimes business owners have some common missteps when they're growing their practice. Talk a little bit about what is a common misstep business owners make when growing their practice. Yeah, so uh, a lot of the business owners that I work with are uh, doctors and dentists, local to the Atlanta, you know, state of Georgia area. And there are certain trends and patterns that I've seen with the clients that I work with. And one of them is they grow, but the people around them, they don't, they don't grow those people. So what that means is the same one person CPA that was with them when they first started their practice is still doing their company taxes. You're 10, you know, with five different practice locations, you know, a multi-million dollar revenue, and they haven't upgraded that. And, you know, simply by, you know, increasing the skill set of the CPA company that you're working with, you might end up saving, you know, tens upon hundreds of thousands in taxes that you weren't aware of because of the people that were around you. So that is one specific example that I see a lot of times uh, that business owners, you know, sort of have missteps in is that they're loyal to their people, but also, you know, sometimes it's important to know when it's important, when to add in different people essentially to your team. Yeah. And I've seen that. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's to be commendable, but also it's still important to know that it's something that might be slowing down the growth of your business. Right. Um, Another misstep that I see business owners making is, you know, it's the opposite way, which is they want to grow too fast, too soon. So, you know, they've got five opportunities that they can purchase and there's a bank that's willing to give them a loan. And they're like, yes, let's take this as an opportunity. Interest rates are low. We're going to do this. We're going to buy all these practices. And 
you know, what ends up happening is you've grown so fast and you haven't really taken the time to see if those practices are a good fit, if the patient base is a good fit for you to grow into and to see how it's all going to actually work. So, you know, just two of the sort of missteps that I see as practices are growing along the way. Yeah, those are those are excellent insights. And so I want to shift the conversation a little bit to COVID. You know, COVID uh, really hurt a lot of businesses. What are what are three tips you can give business owners who were hurt by COVID this past year? Yeah, uh, I think some of the most important things that we realized during COVID is uh, one, you've got to be able to take care of your people. So a lot of times companies want to grow because they need the help, but they haven't really planned for the growth in the projections for that year for that business. So I would say if you let people go and you're looking to bring people on again, please just make sure that you're not then at six months, eight months down the road, going to let them go again, you know, have a full plan for them, have it projected that that is going to be an expense. Uh, the next recommendation that I have is, especially if you are a, a practice owner, you know, if you take insurance, it's a really good time to reevaluate the insurance companies that you are working with, because some of them don't actually pay enough for the time that you're putting in. So it might be a good opportunity for you to just evaluate some of the things. And um, number three is, you know, a lot of businesses have just sort of given up or are sort of in a slump right now where they're just like, well, what do we do? Right. The reality of being a business owner is it's never perfect, right? Even in the most perfect world, it's still not perfect. You're always going to have problems. So as you come across problems, just know that don't have an expectation that it's all going to be a perfect, smooth ride. PPP is going to come in and it's going to save you. You know, don't have those expectations. Just have the expectation of you're just going to take it one day at a time. You don't need to feel hopeless and it's never going to be perfect. So we're talking with Nerman Jasani is a former Wall Street attorney turned business consultant. Um, success for business owners, a lot of people view that uh, success in many different ways. But I'm interested, from your point of view, what does success look like for a business owner? I think it it is a business that matches what the business owner wants. So a lot of times I see business owners with a business that they didn't want or expect. Either they're working way too much or uh, the business is much more stressful than they thought it was going to be, or little things like that that I see along the way. I think that the way I define successful is this is a business that fits you and your personality. So if you want to take Fridays off and that business gives you Fridays off, fantastic. If you want a Maserati and a Lamborghini and a yacht and your business gives you that, fantastic. That is success for you. I have worked with business owners who have said, I want no staff to you know, business owners who say, I want 100 people and 15 different locations. So if you know that that is in fact what you want and you have a plan for it, and then you have a business that looks like that, you've been successful. No matter what your bottom line is at the end of the day, if, if it reflects what you want it to be, you've, you've hit it. You've got it. So I'm not sure I want the yacht, but the Lamborghini somehow does sound tempting. You know, I, I feel the need for speed. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, back on topic. 
So how can business owners not play the comparing game? You know, my firm's bigger than your firm or uh, I'm on this list. Um, Business owners uh, love to compare. They do. And, you know, uh, comparison is sort of the root of all evil when you're a business owner, right? You you start to doubt your own success. You start to doubt what you have established, your team, your credibility, um, how great you are at what you do. When you start comparing to, um, you know, Sally, you know, who has this kind of a business or, you know, Bob, who has that kind of a business, it, it's very important not to look at your business based on what you don't have and instead appreciate what you do have. And, and you can set yourself up to want to, let's say, make a million dollars a year like Sally, but it's not going to look the same way. So if Sally hired X consultant and B recruiting team and uses X software, that doesn't mean that you should do the same exact thing. You can have the goal of making a million dollars or, you know, sending your kids to private school or whatever that goal is for you, but it doesn't mean that you have to follow the same process because that process is going to be uh, specific to that one business owner and it's not going to be specific to you. So don't keep yourself in a box because you're just going to have a really hard time and you're going to constrain yourself in that box. Those are some excellent points to make. Uh, I want to switch over to uh, fears. Yeah. So business owners have different feel fears for different things. Um, from your perspective, what are the fears that most business owners have? Well, uh, considering we're in COVID right now, a lot of them are wondering when things are going to go back to normal, right? Because we are still, you know, certain parts of the country are still on lockdown. Certain parts of the world are still on lockdown and, you know, we're all still wearing masks. So I think a lot of business owners right now are just fearful of what normal is going to look like and fearful of when normal is going to happen. But Outside of the COVID situation, I see a lot of fears just when it comes to, uh, for example, a P&L statement, a balance sheet. I see a lot of business owners, especially doctors and lawyers who look at all of those numbers and for some reason, their brain just shuts down completely. They look at it and they're like, I don't know what any of this means. Please find someone who can look at this. I don't want to look at it. Just tell me what I made. And I think that that is a really sort of silly thing because you've gone to school, you've studied medicine, you've sat for the bar exam, you're clearly intelligent. So the fear around the numbers and not being able to understand them, I see that holding back a lot of business owners. And you know, I always tell business owners, you should know your numbers like the back of your hand. What did you make in January? You should know that? What did you make last year? You should know that so that all those numbers can help keep you on track so that you have a guidepost. Now, if you're scared of numbers, you're never going to have a guidepost. So, or if you hire someone to look at those numbers for you, or you hire a consultant to look at those numbers for you, and you don't have an awareness of them, that's just not a good, in a good place that you want to be. So, you know, every business owner has fears and you just have to be aware of what they are and then not let that hold you back and don't try to hire out for everything you have a fear for. Yeah. I'm a big believer. You can't manage what you don't measure. Exactly. And most, uh, most often you're measuring based on numbers. So those are, those are some great points. So in your view, how can a business owner prepare 
for future dips in the market? Yeah, I think the you know it's it's really just coming back to the numbers, right? I always say please create, you know, 12 and 24 month projections for your business because you want to at least have some sort of guidelines of where you think you're going to go. And I'm always really conservative in how I look at numbers. So, if you think you're going to make $100,000 a month, make it 90, right? Like discount it by 10% automatically so that if there is a dip, guess what? You were already prepared for somewhat of a dip. So that is one of the things that I say is, you know, just have a really good awareness of what your numbers are and be conservative about them. And when you're looking at hiring people, make sure that you are able to, you know, keep them on instead of bringing them on and then having a dip come and then having to let them go. So, bring them on to keep them on because you're going to want them as part of your team. Those are great points. So we've been talking with Nerman Jasani with wildly, we are wildly successful LLC. Uh, she works with doctors and lawyers on having a wildly successful practice and establishes the fundamentals of running a business, including pricing, marketing, and hiring. Uh, Nerman, if someone wants to get in touch with you and the firm, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way to get in touch with me is via email. My email address is Nermin, N-E-R-M-I-N, at wearws.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank Thank you you for all these great insights that you're giving to business owners. We're going to now talk with David Peterson. Uh, David is Senior Vice President with PNC Bank. Uh, David, I'm thinking our relationship maybe goes back at least 10 or 12 years, maybe a little bit more. Uh, We've shared several clients together. uh, And thank you for coming on ProfitSense. It is a a treat to have you. And banking is a very hot topic. Uh, But before uh, before we get into that, Talking about borrowing money from the business owner's standpoint, you know, a lot of business owners wonder, what do commercial bankers look at when they look at a company's financial statements? So so give us a, a perspective. Uh, when you look at financial statements, what are you what are you looking at? You know, I think especially since the uh, recession in 2008, 2009, I think the balance sheet is is as important as the income statement. A lot of business owners, you ask them, what what do you guys pay attention to? And they'll say, well, you know, I've made such and such revenue and I made this much, I cleared this much in terms of net income, but they don't really talk about the balance sheet. And I think that a lot of owners would be very surprised that the balance sheet is every bit as important as the income statement. It really is a reflection over a period of the business's history about how have you uh, capitalized your business? um, How much cash have you maintained in your business? It's critically important from a uh, lender standpoint uh, that you have good balance sheet integrity. So true. As a matter of fact, I tell my clients, I frankly feel that the balance sheet might even be more important, primarily because uh, P&L measures profitability but really the balance sheet measures liquidity, uh, how you're collecting your receivables and how much leverage you have. So, so excellent points that you've made. So talk a little bit about um, maybe what's exciting in the world of banking right now. There's a lot going on. Um, actually, PNC has just acquired 
uh, is in the process of acquiring a BBVA. And so uh, we're really excited about that. And that'll make us the fifth largest bank in the country. But what we've seen over the last few years is increased consolidation uh, within the banking space. You have uh, almost sort of an oligarchy of um, Uber banks, really uh, large banks that are kind of the um, premier institutions that you think of. But you still have a very thriving community bank structure, uh, which serves local communities. I don't ever see that going away. Um, I think that uh, in addition to those players, though, that you have a lot of new entries. Uh, You have a big movement in fintech right now that is certainly disrupting. Uh, You have other companies like the Walmart, like the Amazons, uh, like even Apple, that are starting to get into sort of traditional banking services. And I think it's really good and healthy competition because that's just going to um, make our industry more inclusive and uh, competitions kind of sharpens everyone. And then you have, uh, of course, it's been dominating a lot of the financial headlines lately, uh, but you have blockchain technology, uh, which uh, in and of itself could be a really big disruptor in terms of uh, how people interact uh, and how people go to market uh, in the future. So I think I know the answer to some of the current and foreseeable challenges in banking. I'm sure uh, COVID might be one of those, Uh, but in addition to COVID, or maybe COVID isn't one, uh, what are the current and foreseeable challenges in banking? Well, certainly COVID is number number one. Uh, you know, fortunately, I think that um, the, the media and the community did a really good job of getting the word out in terms of uh, PPP program, the availability of funds, the process around that. Uh, we certainly had our fair share of applications that we processed uh, both for round one and round two, which is ongoing. And uh, we had a lot of business reach out to us, you know, obviously, uh, with COVID hitting, I mean, no one could have predicted, you know, in late night 2019 that that would have been, we would have had a pandemic that was as bad as what we had a hundred years ago. And so I think that was obviously a huge, um, huge factor in terms of a huge risk for a lot of different businesses. But I think, you know, what I would say in this, t- uh, in this time period is that in a situation like this, where a lot of it was largely beyond your sort of typical business owner's control, you really, as it relates to the bank, the importance of communication, open and honest, you know, your banker wants to know the good and bad and the ugly, the more transparent you are, the better able that that bank uh, and that banker specifically will be able to be your advocate and be able to potentially assist you. Uh, And there are numerous resources out there Uh, that can help various businesses. So I I recall a a circumstance where you and I were working on a client together. Uh, It happened to be in a uh, a robotics type business, uh, manufacturing platforms primarily. Uh, What impressed me, frankly, was there was a line of credit that this client needed, but that was not really the focus of their need. Their focus was really uh, on the treasury management side uh, and you caught that. Uh, So what I'd like for you to also share with our audience is uh, what would you advise companies do 
when they're looking at their banking options and meeting with various banks? The most important thing is that you establish a really good relationship up front and you establish the ground, um, the ground rules in terms of how you want to interact with that banker and that banking institution specifically. The most important thing is that you have a good comfort level with your representative. And also, if they have other teammates that they are willing to bring out, uh, ideally in person, and are able to sort of meet you and see your business up close and personal, the better. And that obviously extends to credit, but it goes beyond just credit. It goes to treasury management, as you were alluding to. It goes to things like foreign exchange, international derivatives risk, merchant services, uh, even wealth banking. Uh, These bankers are often charged with uh, mobilizing their partners within the bank to ascertain the potential need and then get the appropriate person out there. So you've got to be very confident in terms of who your representative is, and you've got to feel like that they're your advocate. When you're first speaking with a banker, if you're if you're in the um, if you're looking to shop different banks or you're looking at your different options, I would say it's critically important to you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. And you've got to understand sort of what fits in in their wheelhouse in terms of their their capabilities, where their where their strengths are, and where their capabilities are, and is that really going to be a good match for your business and it and its current and potential needs? So we're talking with David Peterson, who's a relationship manager in PNC's Commercial Banking Group. David delivers banking products and services to companies ranging from about ten to seventy five million in revenue uh, located in in Metro Atlanta and greater Georgia. Uh, I'd be remiss to my listening audience if I didn't ask you about the current lending environment. David, give us your perspective on that. You know, I think it obviously is COVID is clearly a, a huge risk factor and is something that is definitely playing a key role. Uh, a lot of bankers, uh, including myself and, and my institution, we're probably going to do a little bit extra due diligence um, than we normally would just to try to understand kind of where your business is at, where it was pre-COVID, where how COVID has impacted your business, and then as importantly, how is it going to continue to impact your business? Um, but besides that, um, you know, banks are open. Banks are lending. Banks want to help. Uh, obviously, I can tell you from a very personal standpoint, being able to be a part of the PPP program and be able to help many of my clients. Um, that was probably one of the most fulfilling things that I've done in almost 20 years of banking. It was extremely edifying. And, you know, you felt like you were really um, on the front lines when all that was happening. Yeah. And uh, banks, uh, with the help of SBA and, and of course, the, the CARES Act rolling out the PPP program, identified very quickly that the backbone of the American economy is the uh, uh, closely held business, uh, the people they employ, uh, the contribution that they make, and, and that, is, uh, uh, that is exceptional. So from a banker's perspective, a lot of business owners that I talk to don't really know how to connect uh, with their banker. Can you talk a little bit about the best ways to connect with your banker? You know, there's not one secret formula. I would just say, just like in most business, um, it's all about potentially networking, 
Um, talk to people that you know, that you trust, and that you respect in terms of their their opinion, and see who they're working with, see who which bankers that they've worked with. Uh, that's a great way uh, to sort of get a warm intro to a banker. Um, clearly, if you have a relationship with your local uh, branch in terms of your bank, um, start to develop that relationship even more if you can, and they will certainly um, be tasked to make the proper introduction and get you in front of the right person. But really go to the people that you know and you trust. And I've always found that the business community is a lot smaller than what it appears. It's amazing how intimate um, the business community can be and that how many people you just, I'm always, again, amazed how um, sort of our networks um, end up being a lot larger than what we even imagine. So David, if someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Best way is to either call me directly and my number is 404-495-6172 or my direct email address, which is d.peterson, my last name is P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N at PNC.com. Well, David, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Appreciate you sharing the uh insights uh, from a banker's perspective. Uh, having a great banker uh, is part of that uh, uh, three critical people that I feel should be on every business owner's team, not only the banker, but also the CPA and the attorney. So, so thanks for so much for coming on the show today. Bill, thank you very much for having me. It was my pleasure. And now we're going to visit with Mike Holden, Mike is CEO of NextGen Pest Solutions, uh, has 20 years experience in the industry, managing and training people in various fields of expertise. So Mike, uh, first, welcome. And second, talk a little bit about the mission of the company uh, and your plans for the future. Thank you for having me on, Bill. Uh, our main focus with the business is to go through and provide veterans and military service members across the board an opportunity to have a career. And then coming back, when they get back home, uh, having the opportunity to go through and give back to the community to protect the community's home and family from the, the bad things that we deal with, which are the bugs and the, the rodents and all the, the creepy crawly stuff at night. So it's definitely one of those exciting things that we're looking forward to, to drive in the future and, and really expanding our reach from where we've uh, had the opportunity to, to go from now. So it's been a lot of fun and definitely uh, looking forward to, to going into being more of a southeastern regional player outside of uh, the Georgia, Alabama and Florida markets that we currently enjoy. Yeah, and certainly the business has been growing and expanding. And, and first, I think the inspiration of uh, hiring uh, people that were in the armed services is you yourself were in the armed services, too, weren't you, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, I'm an Army veteran. And definitely it's something near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's something that I believe in passionately. I still have several friends that are uh, wrapping up their careers in the military. And it's exciting to see them, you know, creeping up on that 20-year mark and definitely giving back, you know, having that home for folks as they're coming through. Well, I love your mission. And first, let me also say thank you for your service. You, uh, uh, you gave what you gave so that uh, we could enjoy uh, the freedoms that we have here at home. So, so thank you for uh, thank you for your service in the military. 
I do want to uh, talk a little bit about some of the challenges of being a small business uh, that you've had to overcome maybe in the past year. Well, the first ones is surviving 2020. Uh, I read a really- <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I read, yeah. I mean, I read a really good quote. If you made it through 2020, you made it. So you were successful. And it doesn't matter about the other things so much. And be thankful that we're still here. Um, you know, besides that, we have, a, it was one of those things of adjusting, making sure that we adjusted very quickly. So when COVID hit, um, in that March, April, May, and started really closing things down and adjusting and people were scared and it really had a big impact on us. So instead of going through like uh, a lot of other companies in our industry did of reducing headcount, we made sure we had 100% retention. Uh, we did not lose anyone due to uh, the COVID or the business decline. What we did was we adjusted quickly to increase and go all in and make sure that we're being more aggressive and. and it's one of those things where as a small business owner, it's spooky. It makes you uh, lay awake at night and look around and say, whoa, man, this is getting a little bit rocky, but it paid off and it, it definitely has worked well for us. And I can proudly say, you know, our headcount has increased from 2020 and into 2021. And we didn't lose anybody on the, due to the business uh, being impacted by COVID. And we actually ended up closing out with a really good year, despite thinking it was going to be doom and gloom during the first half. So good times. Well, so congratulations on that. So I've heard a saying that whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So a result of COVID and some of the challenges, uh, how have those uh, challenges made your organization stronger? It's became one of the things that we look at is more focus, more flexibility. How do we move faster yet not move too fast? Uh, you know, everybody always talks about growth and you've got to be careful with growth. It's that double-edged sword. But it's one of the things where we went through and done a really good job as a company to mature. And data is the key. So if we go through and we look at our numbers and we understand all the different variables with all the different things that go on, you know, it's amazing how they speak to you and how you, you can go through. And even people that have never seen anything in their, their career of metrics and you can go through and talk to them about it and and you can go through and impact it. So it's been amazing for the organization as a whole. It's been extremely exciting taking people that never have really had the opportunity to look and see how they can personally give back in a lot of different ways. And it's been awesome. And we've definitely, we came out of 2020, uh, a much better organization than we started 2020. So I can say that proudly. Well, and when you're talking about numbers from a numbers nerd like me, that's that's uh, music to my ears, Mike. So thanks for sharing that. A lot of business owners just kind of hold their hands up when when it comes to numbers. But uh, uh, one of the things that I also noticed on your website is you have a learning center. So I'm curious, how does the community utilize the learning center on your company website? Great question. One of the ways that we go about it is education. So the phrase knowledge is power and letting our clients understand and and deep diving into what's going on at their home. So you may have some type of challenge or pest issue at your home and get online and look at all this different data and all this different stuff. And then all of a sudden you go through and you look at our learning center and understand that it ties in with exactly what we're talking about on the other side. So it's real time. It's real data of real information to where people can educate themselves and not just simply 
say, oh my gosh, I have these ants. Well, why? What, what can we do to stop them? And it gives that community also an opportunity. Times are, are challenging right now for some folks and every service is different. So if somebody can go through and handle that problem and it, did they have a simple problem, they don't need a service professional. That's awesome. And that's our way of giving back and allowing them to go through and educate themselves and also utilize the services if they're needed. So I want to shift the conversation over to your geographic growth. I know you started in Florida, uh, came to Atlanta, and then most recently uh, have started doing business in Alabama. Uh, What's driven your geographic growth since you started NextGen, Mike? Well, one of the good good things about delivering top quality service and being able to be a top quality service provider in the market is customers go through and want to have that service in other areas. So customer demand has really been the big driver of going through and allowing us to open up in other markets. Uh, And we always go through and use the data to, to understand where we're going to be at, but by partnering with our clients in commercial settings and understanding, okay, we're going to be over here at this time and this year. It allows us to have a good footprint and has allowed us to open up additional operations and have that customer base already established to ensure that that, that branch and that market is successful. Uh, it's definitely been, it's been fun. It's been one of those things I did not foresee. I did not expect it. You know, we wake up every day to deliver the five-star service that we can across the board, uh, myself included, making sure that we're all chipping in. If there's a problem, we're going to get after it and take care of it. And because of that, our customers have really rewarded us and presented us with a lot of opportunities to really help more people. And that's what it's all about is helping the people, whether you're a customer or a teammate or in the community in general, we just want to make sure that we can always be helping in the area that we can help with. So we're talking with Mike Holden, the CEO of NextGen Pest Solutions. Uh, NextGen is a full service residential commercial pest control company in the greater Atlanta metro area, also Birmingham, Alabama, Clearwater, and South Florida. So, Mike, you've got to have some pest control stories. So, for our listeners, what is the most exciting pest control experience you've ever had? Well, I'll throw it into kind of a bundle one because we don't have it so long to talk, and I can probably tell you for a couple days about different crazy stories. I used, and we won't disclose which area it is, but um, used to service a zoo and the lions were having a problem with rats getting into the lion cages. And at the end of the day, you don't really connect the two of lions are really just big cats. So we, we go out and we're looking around and there's this big, massive lion and he's sitting there slapping around at this rat and playing and having a good time. And the client looks at me and says, and how do we fix that? I said, that is a really good question. <laughs> Let me think of that. Uh, you know, another one that kind of pops into mind that people don't think about, you know, is there's always bugs in different areas and different things. And, and in the commercial setting, the roaches, you see hear about that. And um, my first uh, account that I went to, I walk in, I'm, you know, inexperienced, just, just finished up with training. And I walk in and the, the roaches start trying to run up your pants legs. And of course, here's this big, tall guy that's bouncing around like I'm on hot coals trying to make sure that I don't get any of the roaches on me. So it's a, uh, it's been fun and there's all kinds of crazy stuff like that that goes on. And that's the cool thing about my line of work. Well, those are some great stories. So thanks for sharing those. Uh, if someone in our listening audience wants to get in touch with you and the firm, uh, what's the best way to do that? 
Yeah, you can reach me on my email. It's Mike, M-I-K-E, at N-G-P-E-S-T dot com. So N-G-P-E-S-T dot com. Great. Well, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show today and uh, not only sharing a couple of good stories, but also uh, giving some insights into your growth and success and and your commitment to uh, to hiring veterans. That's uh, that's a great story. Thank you for having me, Bill. I really appreciate it. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro business news, follow us on social media for the latest stories. If you want to listen to future Profit Sense podcasts, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is Profit Sense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.